Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's a co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to keep that conversation rolling with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Joining the conversation on the social media accounts, they're all right there on the front page. Click, follow, subscribe. It's that easy. The T Public Store link, which we always got stuff going on there too. The Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month, and a lot of bonus content on the way. Parley Points blog section, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. The directory. Pad, how many providers are we on? 190,000. Sounds about right to me. The music section for anything and everything that is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod on social media. Kicking off this edition of the show, Mm -hmm. we have to talk about the NFL final season. Well, the final week of the season. The final week of the season. For some teams, there will be a lot of changeover happening. And we've already started to see some of that unfold. Yeah. And for others, it's now prepping to see where you're going next because the playoffs I've now been solidified. Yes. The teams have been seated, and it is going to be an interesting ride. But first, we have to talk about our locks and leaps. And yours truly is the new champion of 2022, 2023. This is true. So shout out to everybody who played this year, too. It was a fun ride. Definitely down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Probably the closest race we've had to the end. Yeah. In yeah. recent memory. Yeah. So it's always a fun thing when we get all our podcast friends together to play the game. And we'll be doing that. And if you're not following, you should definitely swing on over to the Facebook page. And that's where we've been posting the results. Uh, you, As you are the ODPH Locks and Leaps champion, I am a fantasy football champion. So ODPH Society, acknowledge me. <laughs> exactly. I am a visionary. I am a revolutionary. I am a champion. We had a lot going on this week. I, listen, folks, I'm, I'm happy about this. I've been playing fantasy football for 15 years. Uh, I've gotten to the... Final game, I finished second a couple of times, but I've never actually won the whole damn thing. So I'm happy. Yeah, and this is the first year I've won locks and leaps. So this is a time to celebrate. And obviously with the football season winding down, there's a lot of discussion to be had. And we have some celebrating to do in some certain aspects. And if your team did not do so well, I'm sure you don't want to hear a lot of celebrating either. But we have to call it right down the middle, so let's get into it, Pad. What you got? Yeah, so we're going to start with my locks. Uh, not going to mention my leaps because, well, they didn't really mean anything when it comes to the overall playoff picture. Uh, but my one of my locks was the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Las Vegas Raiders, which they did by the final score of 31-13. to Patrick Mahomes, 18 of 26 for 202 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Jared Stidham, uh, 22 of 36 for 219 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, I, you had Jared Stidham also lead Las Vegas in rushing, seven carries, 50 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco led Kansas City in rushing with eight carries, 64 yards, one touchdown. Uh, then for receiving, you had Justin Watson uh, lead Kansas City in receiving with one catch, 67 yards, no touchdowns. And then Devontae Adams, because duh, led Las Vegas in receiving with five catches, 73 yards, and no touchdowns. Easiest takeaways from this, first and foremost, Kansas City is playoff ready. Uh, this was like a tune-up game for them. 
Yeah, they definitely took it very serious this time, which we weren't sure exactly <laughs> after seeing the last couple of weeks how they were going to take this game. They definitely showed up for this. I think it. they took it serious for all of, like, two quarters, and then they realized, oh, this is going to be easy, and then they started doing the kind of schoolyard bullshit you see, which, like, the uh, ring around the rosy merry-go-round yeah. uh, they did, which was odd. Well, I think they at that stage, they're just like, okay. Let's have fun. They're going to just really enjoy the moment they're in because at that point they felt they broke the Raiders' will, and they kind of did. Kind of did, yeah. But it was good to see, if you're a Chiefs fan, that your team actually took this game seriously and showed up. Yeah. Because they beat up a bad team, and I'm sorry, the Raiders have been arguably the biggest disappointment this season. Uh, You know what? Probably. I mean, just because I'm a little preview, we're going to talk about our predictions we had at the start of the season. Uh, uh, Two-thirds of us, uh, between Ken, myself, and then Rich from the 3FN podcast, uh, two-thirds of us chose the Raiders uh, to win that division. So, uh, whoops. I I mean, just looking through things. Sure, you had some teams that were pretty bad, you know, or or in some cases worse than uh, what the Las Vegas Raiders did. But I think in terms of biggest disappointment, either them or you can make it, I think you can make an argument for Denver. But I, but I would say Vegas is is a bigger disappointment. Vegas had more of a spotlight on it because when they got Devontae Adams. Chandler Jones. Yeah, they had more moving parts coming into their organization. New head coach. Yeah. New front office. Well, not new front office. New, new coaching staff, I should say. Yeah, so they had a lot more attention on them. Yeah. And this was going to be the year that either Derek Carr made or broke this team. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he broke them. I mean, go back and listen to the preview episode we did for the AFC. I mean, we I think all three of us, even though two third, one-third of us chose a different team for this to win this uh, AFC West division, I think we were all in agreement back on that episode, though, where we all said, even Rich, who is a Raiders fan, said, listen, this is put-up-or-shut-up time for Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. You have to win it now or you're gone. And, yeah. well, we see how it went. Yeah, he's unfortunately going to be leaving the organization. There's yep. no question in my mind yeah. about this. Yeah. Where he ends up is going to be one of the biggest off-season questions. Green Bay. Well, that could be a possibility. I <laughs> That's was, for one fan in particular. I, I, I can imagine you're going to get a very, very nasty message from him. Yeah, probably. But he is going to be a sought-after free agent no matter what. And I don't doubt seeing him come east. I don't. I'm not going to make a prediction. I, I got. A, I got a prediction, and the Green Bay thing was a joke for one person. Yeah. Uh, he's listen. He's probably going to be the next great quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Well, that could happen. They they have a propriety and a tendency to go for quarterbacks who are aging, not quite what they once were, and, and probably shouldn't be given the time of day as a starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at their last few. Philip Rivers at the end of his career. Matt Ryan at what probably is the end of his career. Yeah, it has to be. You know, just ever since Peyton Manning and, and uh, Andrew Luck retired, they've not had real good luck. No pun intended. No, they definitely haven't. No, I'm actually going to say he's going to go further east. I think he's going to be the next quarterback of the Jets. Ooh, oh, yeah, maybe. Because they obviously need an upgrade in that position. I mean, the, and the Jets, for what it's worth, are currently saying they're not trading Zach Wilson, but I don't believe that for one second. Well, they don't have to trade him, but they're not going to have him start. That's true. He's going to sit behind somebody and hold a clipboard forever and ever and yeah, ever. Yeah. But Carr would fit in that organization because the expectation would be a little lower for him. I mean, let's face it. They're the Jets. They're on a rebuild. They've the been Ra- on a rebuild for like 10 years. The Raiders are built to win now, and they're just a quarterback away and maybe some tweaks on the defense too. And I think this offseason they're going to make those moves. I don't know who's coming out there. I know the name that's picking up some steam, and I know I've talked to Rich a little bit about this as well and some other fans, is Tom Brady going yeah. out there, which 
he would be a massive upgrade in just managing that team. But albeit though, you're against Father Time, so you, yeah, it's it's a catch twenty two. Yeah, but if McDaniel's is still there, that would be a more beneficial area for him because mm-hmm. they know each other very well. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know if that's where the Raiders want to go. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be something we'll have to watch in this off season. But we do know that they're going to have to do some working around. And if McDaniel's does keep his job through this week, because he, as we're recording, he's still employed. Still employed. But you never know if that's going to be a very short window of time because Sean Payton's name is picking up a lot of steam. Yeah. Now where he winds up is going to be a whole different ball game next season. Mm, the other one too, I would say is because I've heard some rumblings that Josh Jacobs might be a little disgruntled uh, based on having him on my fantasy team this year. If that is the case, work on that relationship. Yeah, no, I think he stays there, but I think it's just how everybody's expectation was to get to the playoffs and go make a run for the Super Bowl. And this team was built to do it on paper. Yes. Yeah. It just unfortunately didn't happen for various reasons. Next season will be a different ball game, and it just depends on who is going to be at the center helm. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be a quarterback that can really manage this team and really get the ball to everybody and not worry about everybody criticizing about Dante or Devontae Adams getting the ball, right? then they'll be fine. Yeah. And if you have somebody in there like a Brady who's not worried about what the media says, that'll be even better. If you have a different quarterback that is coming in too, which you never know, you might have a Lamar Jackson show yeah. up there as well too. There's yeah. rumblings of that. Then you're going to be in a situation where at least you've upgraded that position that you can make a deeper run. And mm-hmm. I think Jacobs ultimately winds up staying there. But it's also going to depend on how they're going to be looking moving forward. Yeah, And especially you have to benchmark yourself against the Chiefs. There's no question of that. Can they match up and, and do that? Mm-hmm. I think they can. But the Chiefs right now are built to win. They did get the number one seed in the AFC. Yes. And now they're just going to sit and wait and see how it turns out for them moving forward. A lot of interesting matchups could happen, as we'll talk about in the next segment. Yeah. But the Chiefs went in there. They did what they needed to, albeit, though, the ring around the Rosie uh, touchdown. Yeah, right before they scored. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one, I it was an interesting call to do, but I don't think you're going to see that in the playoffs. I oh, hell no. I really hell doubt no. that. Hell no. But I think it was a statement they want to say that they were just kind of waiting to see what the Raiders were going to do, and they didn't do anything. Yeah. And sad to say. Yeah. Uh, and then my other leap was the Cincinnati Bengals to beat to the Baltimore Ravens, which they did by the final score of 27 to 16. Uh, Joe Burrow, 25 of 42 for 215 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Anthony Brown uh, for Baltimore had 19 of 44 for 286 yards passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Kenyon Drake led for Baltimore in rushing with 16 carries, 60 yards, one touchdown. Joe Mixon led for Cincinnati with 11 carries, 27 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Jamar Chase led Cincinnati in receiving with eight catches, 86 yards, one touchdown. And then Isaiah Likely uh, led Baltimore in receiving with eight catches, 103 yards, no touchdowns. Well, this game was going to be an interesting one. If Lamar Jackson was there. Yes, but since he did not play... Went the way we thought it would. Yeah, exactly. Cincinnati is the hottest team in football right now. Yes. And I think that they're going to be a force to reckon with no matter who they are facing in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we do know they're going to be facing Baltimore yet again next week. Oh, yeah. So we do know that these teams are very familiar with each other. Third time's a charm. But the question mark is going to be, where is the status of Lamar Jackson? Uh-huh, because let's be honest, the way we've seen Baltimore play since Lamar Jackson went down... Uh, without Lamar Jackson in that starting quarterback role, the Ravens are skunked. Yes, they're very, very average. 
to put it mildly. If not below average, honestly. And obviously, they're going to have to really step their game up against the Cincinnati team that was very, very primed and ready for this one. They knew the stakes were going to be very high, and they definitely wanted to make sure that they got a very good seed for the playoffs. And they want to set a message to the rest of the league. And they did. And I really think that no team wants to face them first round. Baltimore, I don't know what they can do really differently. They're just going to be playing a physical game against Mm -hmm. Cincinnati. That's the best hope they can have. But I'm going to say right now, if Lamar Jackson is not in there, this is probably the easiest lock to pick. So I pulled up the uh, Ravens uh, schedule here. And Lamar Jackson went down, for those of you who don't remember, in week, where is it? There it is, uh, 13 against the Denver Broncos. Uh, He started that game. He only went 3 of 4, 11 yards. Uh, they won that game by the final score of 10 to 9. Uh, but since he went down, so since they went like the, a full game plus mm-hmm. without him starting, they have gone, well, let's see, one win, one loss, so two wins, and three losses. So they're two and three. Yeah. Which, you know, and so the teams they've beaten are Pittsburgh and then Atlanta. They, meanwhile, they've lost to Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and then Cincinnati. Ex- not exactly striking fear in the heart. Nope. of any team they're going to be facing. so it ain't, it ain't the GOAT Brock Purdy. No, absolutely not. So Baltimore, they just have to literally wait and see what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. If mm. Jackson's in the lineup, there is a legit chance they can win this game. Oh, absolutely. If he's not, forget about it. This, yeah. is, this is going to be Cincinnati. I think the score is going to be roughly the same, if not even Cincinnati up by another touchdown. It's nothing against the Baltimore defense, but there's only so much you can do when you're on the field that much. And that's going to be the problem that Cincinnati is going to really make sure happens. And if Lamar Jackson is in that lineup, it's a different ball game, and Cincinnati might struggle a little bit. It'll be a closer game. I think ultimately, though, Cincinnati wins. I, I I do too. And just for, uh, for record's sake, uh, looking at the spread, and this is as we record, uh, where uh, Lamar Jackson is not currently scheduled to play, or at least we don't know if he's going to or not. Currently listed as out. Uh, Cincinnati is the favorite by six and a half points. That's a very fair point spread. Yeah, that's a very fair one, but. We'll have to see what happens on the game day. Mm-hmm. Next up, though, Pad, is my locks and leaps. And if anybody's really not sure what we're saying about this, the locks are when we take a favorite team and we say they're going to win and win by the point spread. Yep. A leap is an underdog that we think is going to pull off an upset. And this one, I know Pad was rooting for the upset. I had a feeling this team was going to really show up, obviously. I mean, listen, I was hoping for contention. I've been down this road before where, you know, the Patriots have gone into an emotional game with outside circumstances going on. The ones that I remember, we got the buzzsaw. So I was just hoping for, given the way the week was developing, and I'm happy to see the way it developed. Don't, yes. get, don't get me wrong. I'm mm-hmm. not upset it developed the way it did. I'm, I'm happy to see the way it went. But I was just like, all right, given the way this is going, Patriots are going to be walking into a buzzsaw. Mm. Well, they kind of did. They definitely did. But the bigger story, which Pat was saying, is we are recording to DeMar Hamlin, who was uh, suffered the cardiac arrest mm-hmm. against the Bengals during the game, is now getting released from the Cincinnati hospital, is yep. heading to Buffalo to get further treatment and testing. But yep. it's it's all signs are showing that he's going to make a very full recovery. Yeah, he's now at a point where he can safely leave the hospital without great risk to his life. Yes, which is amazing to hear, and that is awesome news, and we just hope that the news keeps on getting better and better for him as time is moving forward. Especially considering it's only a week removed, which is astounding. Yes. Given like the I fact say, they had to restart the man's heart twice. Yeah, it's sounding like I say he's going to have a full recovery, and that is amazing news to hear, and keep those positive thoughts and prayers and energy going forward, too. Yeah. You know, he's still got a long way to go but everything's going in the right direction. Yeah. 
Uh, and then talking about the game, uh, you had the Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots by the final score of 35-23. to 23. Josh Allen, 19 of 31, 254 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Mac Jones, 26 of 40, 243 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Ramondre Stevenson led New England in rushing with eight, six carries, 54 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, James Cook led Buffalo in rushing with nine carries, 45 yards, no touchdowns. Stephon Diggs led Buffalo in receiving because, duh, uh, seven catches, 104 yards, one touchdown. And then Devontae Parker led New England in receiving with six catches, 79 yards, and two touchdowns. From the moment of the opening kickoff with Naeem Hines running it back, yeah, you knew the tempo was set for the game. And I wasn't. Oh, gonna... I knew we were skunked from there. Oh, yeah, which is nothing against the Patriots. But the Bills were playing with so much emotion, obviously hearing the great news about DeMar Hamlin. Yep. They wanted to really make sure that they locked up business that they needed to do in the AFC. Obviously, they were playing and really wanted to make a statement to the rest of the league. Mm -hmm. They definitely did that. The Patriots were no joke. And if anybody was thinking that this was going to be a pushover game, it never was going to be. Any Bill Belichick-led team is not going to be a pushover. The Bills went in there and were getting tested. And I think this is a great win for them because the Patriots were a playoff contender. Mm -hmm. And to really see where they benchmarked against, I thought they really put a good showing moving forward for this. Obviously, getting two kickoff returns, though, does help. Yeah. So it's good to see the special teams really playing their part here. The only thing that kind of worries me a little bit is the running game did not get going. Well, the, you haven't had a running game in two years. Right. But going into the playoffs, I wanted to see a little bit more. I know that I'm kind of being a little... Nitpicky. Know, yeah, thank you. But is something that we're going to need to do if we're going to make a run for the Super Bowl. You're going to have to learn how to run the ball. If James Cook is only going to get 45 yards and be your leading rusher, that is a little pause for concern. I mean, it's it, let's just be real, though. It, like I said, I haven't been a, had a decent running game in two years because, uh, again, this year uh, you had a rusher crack 100 yards once, and that was Devin Singletary week 16 against the Chicago Bears where he rushed for 106 yards. Yeah. But nevertheless, I will take the win and did some damage uh, for the playoffs, but also for who they're going to be facing in the first round of those playoffs. Yeah. Meanwhile, Patriots go home, to which I say, figure out your fucking offensive coordinator situation. You got, but, any, you got any feelings on who's going to be taking the helm there? I mean, fucking Christ. At this point, I'll take you as the offensive coordinator. Listen, this whole I don't believe in jobs clearly ain't working. You need to figure out what the fuck you're going to do. Whether it's Bill O'Brien coming back, whether it's you know Cliff Kingsbury maybe coming back because he's been let go from Arizona today as we mm -hmm. as we record, you know, who, just figure out fucking something. You know, this Patricia and Joe Judge tag team shit ain't working. I would put Patricia back in charge of the defense. I know his uh, Belichick's son Steve has been running that. Let let Patricia run it. Put Joe Judge back in special teams. You know where they were fine before they left. Get an offensive coordinator. You know, and then figure out just what you got to do. You know, I mean, you got a great running game between Damian Harris and Ramon J. Stevenson. You know, maybe pick up a couple of offensive linemen in the draft. The offensive line I know needs some work. Some guys might need to go. Uh, but then also figure out what the fuck you're going to do with Hunter Henry because Hunter Henry had an atrocious year this year. The the tight end, mm -hmm. forty one catches, five hundred and nine yards, two touchdowns for for a tight end that is fucking atrocious. Let me ask you this, and I'm not trying to get you all heated when I say this. Mm -hmm. Do you think Mac Jones is the problem? No. I think the lack of an offensive leadership in, in the coordinator position is the problem. Okay. Because I think he went from one system last year, and you and you look at how he flourished under McDaniel's system. He, had, he was close to winning rookie of the year, if not for Jamar Chase having an outstanding year. Mm -hmm. He, he would have won it. 
you know, and then you go to this year where there were reports in the pre in the preseason during training camp of how much trouble they were having with the offense. And it permeated into the regular season. Mm -hmm. I don't think Mac is the problem. We've seen Mac have the talent, but I think just the lack of offensive leadership in terms of coordinator was the biggest issue this year. And I, and it showed, you know, because he had a down year, you had the whole Bailey zap thing come in and, and the distraction and, and he sure Mac had some interception issues at the start of the season, but he really got that under control and, and toned it down as the season went on. So I think if you get a tight end or not a tight end, an offensive coordinator in there, improve the offensive line, maybe another offensive receiver wouldn't hurt. I mean, Devontae Parker's bent was great this year. You know, Kendrick Bourne was also good this year. You know, they've got Jacoby Myers, who's all right. I I wouldn't mind maybe another, not not even like a triple A, you know, five-star receiver, maybe somebody else, you know, just to kind of compliment the offense there and give them another option to go with, you know, if, if they want to spread them wide, you know, figure that out. And then just a couple of, you know, other guys on the defense, uh, and because I know Devin McCourty and uh, Matthew Slater, who have been with the team for, with since 2010 and 2008, respectively. Mm-hmm. Some talk this might be their last year. Some talks they might not come back next year. Uh, if that is the case, to both of those gentlemen, I say thank you for the outstanding years of service. Matthew Slater, the special teams god. Try telling me otherwise. And then Devin McCourty, who was, you know, not always the greatest defensive player but he was certainly a stalwart in that in that backfield or in that in that secondary there for the defense so if they do retire i do say thank you to both of those gentlemen yeah it's gonna be an interesting offseason for the patriots the only reason i bring that up about mac jones is i know that he has been taking the brunt of the blame sure which obviously the quarterback sure it, it makes sense i don't know necessarily if a change at that position is desperately needed no i know i've heard some wild rumors about brady returning yeah, or, or jimmy g getting traded from san francisco back to the patriots and fixing the problems there i honestly think i agree with you on this one i honestly think it's not mac no it's the problem is of how the patriots have done their offense and like i said this is not a shot it's too open-ended there's not enough structure mm-hmm. and i think that when you have too many people switching up you know, formats yeah. and overall themes of what you want to do. Are yeah. you a running team? Are you a passing team? Et cetera, et cetera. When you're switching up the mentality like that, especially with a young quarterback, mm-hmm. that's going to cause some problems. I think we saw that happen here. Yeah. I don't think Mac is a bad quarterback. I'm not anointing him as the next Brady. Right. But I think he's still trying to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. And I think they definitely deserves the benefit of the doubt. If the Patriots do move him, though, it will be a question of where. Yeah. Obviously, what might make some sense, and I don't know if the Raiders would make a call. Mm-hmm. See about making a trade for some draft picks. Well, maybe. That could be a situation if he goes out there. I think him with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro would be huge. Yeah. I think I think he can definitely make something happen. But I think right now, as you hit it right on the head, though, they need an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to get any further. And I know Belichick said he's coming back for year 24. Yep. That has been officially confirmed. Yep. He's going to have to do some moving and shaking if he wants to get back and make one last run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then that's the thing is like the biggest thing you need an offensive coordinator because Patricia, great as a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Joe Judge, great, great as a special teams guy. Yep. As, as clearly evidence as this year showed, not great at offensive. 
No, he's definitely not. He's not going to be the guy that's going to hel- that is going to helm that offense. See, I'm getting too wound up talking about this because I just think Mac got off an unfair deal about this. Yeah, and I think that he, he's he's got all the talent in the world, and I think he's got the capability to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got some great parts around him. You know, you got the running game, which I mentioned is good. You got Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne, who are great receivers. Hunter Henry, if he can get his shit together, is fantastic. And then Jonu Smith, with whatever issues he because he didn't play this game, he got no targets and. You know, whatever injuries he had going on, get him healthy, get him back, and then figure out the offensive line because I know the offensive line was an issue this year, you know, with injuries and shuffling around and everything else. Get the offensive line figured out, you know, maybe pick up another receiver. Wouldn't wouldn't hurt, you know, and then just figuring out your offensive coordinator, I think you'll be good. Yeah, I think so too. But you're going to have to really need an upgrade to hang with the Bills right now. Yes. I'm not saying this trash talking is just the Bills are playing at a very elite level right now. They do have some areas of concern, though. Like I said, the running game and the run defense yeah. is something they're really going to have to lock up, especially going into this weekend, because I fully think Miami's going to go back to their game plan and just running it down Probably. the Bills' throat, Probably. which I don't blame them. But if the Bills are really contenders and not pretenders, they're going to need to find a run defense and find it quick. Can they do it? Absolutely. Do I think it's they are going to win Saturday? Absolutely. Or Sunday. But to make it a deep run... They're going to need to find something to make it happen and make it happen quick. That said, the irrelevant game of the week was my leap. Mm-hmm. And boy, there is one storyline coming out of this, and mm-hmm. I think this is the only reason we're mentioning this game. Uh-huh. Pad, take it away. So we're, of course, talking about the Houston Texans who are taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Who uh, Let me pull up the standings here real quick. Expand to playoffs. Oh, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you got both of them. They're in the bottom two spots of the American Football Conference. So really not much riding here. But, hey, listen, the dogs, the uh, underdog picks were garbage this week. Uh, you know, so why are we talking about this game? Well, uh, for the number one overall draft pick was on the line for this game uh, because it was between the Chicago Bears and the Houston Texans. Yeah. And the Houston Texans who, let, let's face it, we said going into this season they weren't going to be good. Like, Houston Texans fans, it, it's going to be ugly, you know. Admittedly, hey, kudos to them. They pulled off, I think, two more wins than we expected them to, or in some case, three more wins than they expected to. Uh, but the big thing with this game is, uh, just to get the stats out of the way, Houston won 32-31. Uh, Not even going to go through the rest of the stats because, let's face it, it doesn't even matter. Uh, but the one thing worth noting about this game is when it was coming down to crunch time, less than a minute, well, up to, it was at a minute uh, when the when the clock was stopped. But it was 4th and 20 with, I believe it was 58 seconds to go. Uh, and Davis Mills of the Houston Texans, you know, took the ball, rolled out, and threw a, God, I don't even know how long a pass it was, but threw a pass. It was a 4th and 20. It was a 4th and 20. He threw the he ended up throwing the ball like 40 yards or whatever the hell it was, you know, into the end zone for a touchdown to pull, pull him within one. You know, so to pull him, it was 31-30 or 31-20. Yeah, it was 31-30. Uh, yeah. Uh, so then at that point, you know, it was 50 seconds left, and Lovey Smith, the, the now former head coach of the Houston Texans, decided to say, fuck it, and went for two, and then got it. And uh, so that, that led the Houston Texans to win 32-31, to uh, and with the Chicago Bears, spoiler alert, losing on Sunday, uh, meant that the Houston Texans now have the uh, number two overall pick in the NFL draft. Meanwhile, the uh, Chicago Bears have the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. This game can be defined by one statement pad. 
reasons. Because this game, I didn't think it was going to be that relevant. This was the mystery relevant game mm-hmm. of the season right mm-hmm. here. Because both teams are awful. Yeah. In Indianapolis, on paper, should have been great. Like I say, the most boring team in football, but they lull you asleep. Calling them boring is being too kind. Yeah, but obviously things went downhill when Jeff Saturday became head coach. And you know what? I'm not yeah. I'm not putting this on him. Yeah. When you're thrown in there with no real coaching experience, you're in way over your head. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, at that level, and I know that he's a all-pro veteran yeah. that had played in the league many years. Peyton Manning helps. Yeah. It's still a difficult situation to get thrown into. Yeah. And for Houston, they were playing with house money at this stage. I don't blame Lovey for going for the win. Oh, I don't either. And the words of Herm Edwards, you play to To win win the the game. game. If they went for another tie, Mm -hmm. how bad of a look would that be? Boy. And honestly... At the at this stage, Lovey knew he was going. Oh, probably. So why? And he's a competitor. Oh yeah. Well, and, and you know the fans were probably pissed they lost the number one overall draft pick. But the players aren't going to do that. The players aren't going to intentionally tank for the number one overall pick. And the and the head coach isn't going to do that either. That's that's just not their style. And I mean, for the Colts, obviously you had a terrible year. You know, between you know blowing the lead against the the Vikings. You know. And then the whole Jeff Saturday fiasco, which I know he said this is, you know, a tryout for Jeff Saturday as a full-time job. Well, nah, you flunked that job interview. He's gone, yeah. Whoever gets the, the head coaching job for the Colts here, because I can't imagine they'll keep him on. Although, no. although it's Jim Ursa, you never fucking know with that guy. You know, but with, with this team, I'm just looking at the, the stats. I would rip this thing, you know, offensively. I Because I, I can't speak to defense, because I really don't know anybody on their defense. But hell, even the defense. I would rip this fucking thing down to the studs. And, and just completely start over because Sam Ellinger, you know, yeah. Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman Jr. is your rushers. Like, you know, and then the receivers aren't any better. I, I Rip it to the studs and start over. I will say this. Jonathan Taylor should have had a better year. He and did, yes. He didn't. Yes. John, okay. Jonathan Taylor is the only thing I would keep around. Right. But I will say this. If there's one... I don't want to say bright spot because it's not. I'll say a flickering spot. Sure. Their offensive line is not the worst. Quentin Nelson is a great lineman. And if he can anchor that line, which he had done very well, they just need to get a quarterback behind him that can run that offense. Clearly, Indianapolis has not figured out who's going to be the guy. God, no, they haven't. And I don't know who is going to go there that could fill those shoes. It could be Derek Carr. It could be Jimmy G. It could be a lot of people. I'm not going to make a prediction about this, but I think the one upside that they do have, as weird as this is going to sound, Jonathan Taylor you keep, and I keep Zach Moss because for some reason it's now clicking for him in Indianapolis. He couldn't do it in Buffalo. He's doing it here. More power to him. Keep your one-two punch there for mm-hmm. running backs because obviously Jonathan Taylor has struggled to stay healthy. And you know what? You can just find some wide receivers in the draft. Yeah. There's a good class that's coming out. Yeah. You can make some moves this offseason, but it just depends on who you're going to have as your quarterback. Matt Ryan is not the answer. No, hell no. 
Nick Foles ain't the answer Nick either. Nick Foles wasn't the answer. Carson Wentz isn't the answer. Sam Ellinger is sure as shit ain't the answer. Exactly. Uh, and I looked it up uh, combined between the three quarterbacks. Uh, there was a total of 60 sacks uh, the Colts gave up this year. Uh, in terms of where they pick in the draft, they are at the number four position behind the Bears, Texans, and Cardinals. Yeah. So that said, I don't know. They can find somebody. I know the big name is uh, C.J. Stroud yeah. for, the, for the draft. So I'm mean, just looking at the top four teams because I doubt he'll make it out of five. Uh, the Bears don't need a quarterback. They got Justin no, Fields. No, Fields is there. Uh, Houston Texans need a quarterback. So could he go? Maybe. Could he go to Houston? I could see it. Uh, Arizona, well, if they can get Kyler Murray to healthy and stop playing Call of Duty, they don't need a quarterback. Uh, and obviously Indianapolis needs a quarterback. So maybe if they're able to sw- swap up with Chicago or something and, and get the number one overall pick, if they re- if they really want C.J. Stroud, sure. But if they're not, there's somebody else they could get. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll say if you want me to put a percentage on it, I'll say 45% they go for Stroud. I really do. Say there's also a uh, son of a Hall of Fame wide receiver that used to play with them at Ohio State. Yeah. If he decides to come out, I'm just saying. Yeah, they're going to have some opportunities. So that's the one upside Colts fans can look at. And then for Houston, too. I mean, both these teams are going to be doing some rebuilding. Houston, yeah. it's, I don't even know where you begin. Listen, Houston, if you want, because you know, you're going to have a hard time packing butts in the seats. You want an easy here, I'll give you a free easy one to pack butts in the seats uh, for next season. First home game of the year, or schedule whenever the hell you want, because he's retire, He's officially retiring. Put J.J. Watt's name in your ring of honor. There you go. That, that'll you're because you, let's face it, you're a bad team. You ain't gonna get any better overnight. You want to pack butts in the seats? Do something to honor J.J. Watt. And they should. It's he's well deserving of that. He's gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he's eligible. They need to do something. I just Houston. It's like where do you turn? Like that's that's the scary thing about it. They've been so bad for so long. Well, you know what? When you had a playoff team and then you dismantle it for various reasons. And you have no backup plan. Yeah, you now are exposed. So Houston is going to be irrelevant for a little while. Could they get lucky and find some diamonds in the rough? Sure, I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's known to happen. But I'm just saying, right now as we are recording, I don't even see where you can go from here with them. I really don't. No, I don't either. So now their off season is going to be a bigger mess than I think anybody realized. Mm-hmm. The Colts. They're going to have their work cut out for them as yeah. well. So uh, enjoy the offseason, guys. That's all we can really say. This is true. All right, so let's take a quick lap around the final week of the NFL. Uh, so we talked about the one Saturday game. Uh, the other Saturday game was between the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, where Jacksonville won by the final score of 20-16, to 16, uh, beating the Titans and clinching the AFC South. Uh, most importantly, though, Christian Kirk, one touchdown. 99 yards, $90 million. And dare I say... The video they put out had to be some of the most petty comments towards anybody that criticized them this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amusing. Oh, it is. I'm surprised we weren't tagged in that as well for what we said. Yeah. Uh, you know, but we're being honest fans because Jacksonville finally played up to potential. Well, we know how ownership down there feels about us. Yes, we do. Hey, guys. How we doing? So, that said... They finally played up to the potential. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence really looked like the Trevor Lawrence that was coming out of college. Comeback player of the year, maybe? I would have to give him that. I really do. And I think that for where this team is going, I don't know if they're going to make a run per se. But I will say this. They have a very, very, very winnable first-round game. Yes, they do. And I 
was I'm not saying that they're going to be a complete like lock to win being a leap, but I'm going to tell you this. I don't doubt them winning that game. And that is against the LA Chargers, LA Chargers yeah. which we'll get into that next segment. But I'm going to say right now, Doug Peterson knows what to do. And I think that he's going to get this team ready to go. And I think that they're going to definitely make some noise. Mm-hmm. And I think their defense is very low key, solid. Yeah. And I think yeah. they, they can make some they can make some waves if they get in there. But then again, I thought Tennessee could do the same thing as well. Well, Tennessee had just had you know Derrick Henry had an okay year. You had the quarterback issues with Tannehill. He ended up getting shut down for the year. You know they traded away half their freaking receiving core. Yeah. You know in the off season, so. I, I think it was a sign from Tennessee that, like, hey, listen, we're going to contend, but we're probably not going to win. No, they're definitely not there anymore, which is weird to say. Like, they just had such a bad year. And they had such a short window, too. Yeah, that's the whole thing about them. Like, they went all in, and they just crapped out. I mean, yeah. it's it happens sometimes. Because the year, what was it? The year they beat Brady in New England was, what, 2019? I believe so. So it, it wasn't that long ago. No. You they, know, it's, it's not like, oh, that was 10, 15 years ago. No, that was relatively recent. No, they've had chances because Derrick Henry is in that prime of his career. The scary thing for them that they're going to have to realize He's not going to be running at this level forever. What do you have after him? Mm-hmm. And they don't have anything. Sorry, I know I'm going to get some angry tweets about this. But I mean, listen, it's, it's true, though. When your entire offensive identity is Derrick Henry, you need a backup plan. Yeah, so that's something they're going to have to look in this offseason for. As for Jacksonville, I mean, congratulations, guys. Um, I would not be making my petty videos, though. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Because you guys haven't done anything yet because – if you don't make it out of the first round, it's all for nothing. This is true, although I will be honest. Uh, I do have a minor rooting interest in them. If for no other reason, then they win a Super Bowl. WWE will send the title down to Jacksonville. And if you know who owns Jacksonville, you know why I'm saying that. And that's why I'm going to make a bold prediction. He'll get an NXT belt. <laughs> he, he, won't get, he won't get the real belt. Yeah, I said it. You guys know how to find us. Yep. Uh, and then some of the other games, uh, you had the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, folks, the Atlanta Falcons. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta got a win. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 30-17. to Man, this game, I mean, is there anything really noteworthy from here? Why the fuck was Brady in the game? Yeah, I guess that was, like, a, that was well, a bigger question I had. Your, your position is locked. You know, you weren't going to go up any higher. You probably weren't going to sink any lower in the, in the playoff season. So why the fuck did Brady start? Why did any of the starters start? You know, and sh- so that was that's my biggest thing is why the fuck was Brady even in the game? He like, shouldn't have been as, as as old as he is, and just everything else. Like when you need to give him as much rest time as you need, why the fuck is he playing? No, that was a puzzling move, especially against Atlanta, who literally had nothing going on for them. Yep, and has a very very wide open off season because they have to fix a lot of areas. Yeah, it's, they do. Yeah, like they're gonna be a mess this off season. Uh, you had the Minnesota Vikings beat the Chicago Bears 29-13. to Well, I will say this. At least Minnesota showed up and made a statement win, but then again, it's against the Bears, who are the worst team in football if they have the number one draft pick. Oh, it's also against the Bears minus Justin Fields. If Justin Fields played that game, yeah, the Bears might have pulled this one off. Yeah, that's true. Like I said, Minnesota is the biggest uh, pretender in this playoffs. Also, Justin Fields uh, finishing, I forget how many yards short, but he was a number, of, couple yards short of... Uh, Lamar Jackson's rush, uh, quarterback rushing record. I'll say this. If they are smart in Chicago, Fields is your quarterback. Oh, yeah. S- solid, sold. Go get the top wide receiver. Yeah. Go get the top 
ranked one and yeah. give him a weapon to use because he has all the tools. I will say this. I have not seen a lot of Bears games this season, yeah. but everyone I've seen him in, he is fighting to win by himself. Oh, yeah. Give him some help. Give him some help, and you guys might be able to make some damage. You guys might be able to, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you had the Miami Dolphins beat the New York Jets by the final score of 11-6. to uh, With the win, the Dolphins securing the final playoff spot in the AFC. This was an ugly game. Oh, well, yeah. This was, I'm sorry, like, there's no polite way to spin this. And I know we have Miami fans that listen to this show. Skylar Thompson is not going to get you anywhere in these playoffs. Oh, hell no. And, and Teddy Bridgewater is still out with that pinky injury. Yep. Tua, as far as we know, has not cleared concussion protocol. Right. You're lucky you made it. I will say the nonsense that they were going to fire their head coach if they did not get in. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it, but I'm going to say this right now, and I'm defending a Miami coach. What is wrong with me here? Jesus Christ. Mike McDaniel did not deserve to get fired if he oh, did. Oh, hell no. No. Hell no. I will, I, I'm going to be very honest about this. I thought he did a very good job for the most part. Mm-hmm. That even if they didn't make the playoffs, he deserved another season. The circumstances that led to some of those losses, well, while yes, it's on the head coach, but like you know, the concussions with Tua, it's not on him. That's exactly, it's not his fault. Yeah, so you can't put the blame on him in that circumstance. So the fact that his job was in jeopardy and those rumors were gaining more steam as this game was going started up this game, yeah, is absolutely atrocious. It, it, the only way. You could possibly say to me, oh, Mike McDaniels deserved to be fired is if they signed Tyreek Hill and he had a down year stat-wise, mm-hmm. but, but no injuries. So there was nothing wrong with him physically. There were no concussions. There was no injuries. There was no nothing from keeping him playing the games. You just, for whatever reason, decided to not throw the ball to Tyreek Hill. Yeah. If that were the instance and they're in the same spot and they didn't make the playoffs, okay, then you can fire him because why the fuck would you sign that guy and then not throw him the ball? But as we know from the stats, Tyreek Hill got the ball plenty. You know, so there's no reason to fire him. No, there's absolutely not. And I think that if the, the Miami powers that be that decided to do that, they'd be foolish. I am going to defend him on this one. I don't know what they're going to do in the playoff game against Buffalo. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of Raheem Morster. That's it. But it all depends on if Tua is going to play. If Tua is not playing. Could be a, uh, a gun shootout there. It's going to be a long game for them. Absolutely long game. Because all they're going to be doing is running the ball, and if the Bills are smart, which I think they're going to be ready this time. You would hope. They're going to shut them down, and then you're going to have to have Skylar Thompson face off against Josh Allen in a shootout. Sorry, I'm taking Josh Allen in that every single day. And for the Jets, hey, uh, have fun this offseason. Oh, I just looked up the weather for that Buffalo game. Fuck. Oh, what is it? 28 degrees and partly cloudy. Let's go. Oy. Let's go. Uh, other games to note, uh, you had the Carolina Panthers beat the New Orleans Saints 10-7. to uh, Another irrelevant game. Um, yeah. You know, really nothing right home about with this one. Hey, good for Andy Dalton. Uh, 171 yards, one touchdown. Yeah. Uh, you had the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Cleveland Browns by the final score of 28-14. to uh, Pittsburgh obviously eliminated from the playoffs with, uh, Miami, with Miami winning the game. More importantly, though, with the win, uh, Mike Tomlin keeps his streak alive of having no seasons below 500 as a head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The only real takeaway you can have from this is the Steelers are in rebuilding mode. They but might have something, though. They might have something. There, there might be something with, uh, what is it, Pickett and then who's their receiver? They're Pickens. You know, there might there might be something there. I mean, because Pickett, uh, 195 yards passing, one touchdown, and then Pickens, 
God, that's going to be a tongue twister, I say. Uh, 72 yards and one touchdown. There, yeah. there might be something there. Well, with those two and uh, Najee Harris, yeah, they've got some potential. Get a, t- get a tight end, get another receiver. Yeah, like I say, the Steelers will fix this very quickly. That's the one thing about that team. Their culture is built to win and be consistent. They're going to handle this very, very quickly. I'm not saying they're going to spend a lot of money in this offseason, but they'll do something. They'll do something. As for the Browns, well. Drive home safely. Yep. Uh, you had the Denver Broncos beat the L.A. Chargers by the final score of 31-28. to 28. Let's ride. Yeah. This game, the biggest question I had concerning this is why did the Chargers have their starters in? Uh, that's a good question. Because now Mike Williams is hurt. Mm. And he is doubtful, I think, for this weekend. Uh, I can look it up. Yeah. If you want to look, I'll just kind of give the breakdown of this because – the Chargers already had their position locked up about midway in this game. So the fact that he was in this long, this is the risk you run. And I understand you want to be competitive. Sure, it's a rival. Oh, 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 oh shit. Uh, so I pulled it up. Uh, Mike Williams currently listed as questionable, and this is as of today as we record. Uh, and this says, quote, Head coach Brandon Stan- Staley said an MRI revealed that Williams has a back contusion mm. and the coach expects the wideout to practice at some point ahead of Saturday's matchup with Jacksonville, uh, Daniel uh, Popper of The Athletic Reports, close quote. Yeah. See- uh, listen, I realize I'm no medical doctor, but if you have a back contusion, you're probably not going to play. No, he's definitely not, and that's a big loss for them. So... This is a situation where I thought it was very foolish that they were still even in this. Yeah, because I don't. They couldn't improve their spot any. No, you know, so it's not like oh, if a win and X, Y, and Z to happen, we can move up. But you're locked in. Like, why the fuck are you even doing this? Right. So have have your starters in for a series, just to get some reps and some actual game time. Treat like a preseason game. Exactly. Have them in in for a a series. You know, get some reps in because there's no there. You can't replicate the actual feel and whatever of a game in practice. So you give them some actual game time experience and pull them. Yeah. So. I, like I say, I kind of criticize them about this, and I will say if they are really struggling against Jacksonville this weekend, look at this game and why. Mm-hmm. And that's the easiest way to say it. So have to wait and see. And for Denver, let's ride to the yeah. offseason because I know that they are the first team linked in the Sean Payton sweepstakes. Yep. I don't know if he's going to go there. If, if memory serves, they've got permission to interview him from the New Orleans Saints because he's still technically under contract with, Correct. The, with the Saints. Uh, but because of the way the NFL League rules work, he cannot interview with them until uh, it's either on or after January 17th. I believe it's after. Okay. So we'll have to wait and see, but I know he's linked there. Yep. I personally, at this stage, I don't think he's going there. But, I mean, yeah, he, can, I can he, see can, it. he can talk about it, but I don't think that they're going to officially lock that in. But. Uh, then you had the Philadelphia Eagles beat the New York Giants by the final score of 22-16. to 16, uh, And with the win, the Eagles locked up the number one overall seed in the NFC. Well, a couple of things you can, we can talk about this. Jalen Hurts came back. Yes. Locked up that number one seed. But the Giants scrapped with this. Mm-hmm. Especially with Davis Webb as your quarterback. Who? Exactly. <laughs> so the fact the Eagles only won by six... I'm not saying panic, but I am saying you got to finish games out early and strong. I mean, I'm looking at the stat line, and uh, Giants fans, I apologize, but without knowing the intimacy and the an entire depth chart of the Giants, the only starter I recognize here offensively is Kenny Galladay. Yeah, uh, finally caught a touchdown. Because the leading rusher was uh, not Saquon Barkley. It was a gentleman by the name of Gary Brightwell. 
Uh, and then the leading receiver was Lawrence uh, Cager, I believe is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. With eight catches, 69 yards, no touchdowns. So the backups were in for this game. Yeah. It's an interesting setup, but nevertheless, Philly is in the number one seed, and that was the job they needed to do. The Giants are in the playoffs too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a crazy scenario to see shape up. Yeah. But yet here we are, and the Giants. Um, we'll we'll get into them next segment. I'm just going to kind of tease that a little bit. Uh, you had the San Francisco 49ers beat the Arizona Cardinals by the final score of 38 to 13. Cliff Kingsbury's gone. Cliff Kingsbury's gone. The GM is is gone as well, although not fired, I believe, if I read right. Step down. Step down. Yeah. So Arizona's going to be in a big transition phase, and rightfully so. Obviously, this season went from promise to disaster. Rapidly. Uh, Kyler Murray's still playing Call of Duty. Yeah, so it's going to be a weird offseason for the Cardinals. Yeah. Who, if I read correctly, have not had a, a head coach make it past five years. Uh, yeah, they have in their 100 years of existing in the NFL or in professional football, they have not had a co-head coach last more than six years. That's insane. In 100 years. That's, oh, <sighs> if yep. you're a Cardinals fan, that's the only thing yeah. I say is, ugh. Yep. But, San Francisco looked like the true number one seed in the NFC, so you know. Brock Purdy, goat, five and zero. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely MVP. wild to see. MVP. We'll talk about that next segment. Uh, you had the Seattle Seahawks beat the LA Rams by the final score of nineteen to sixteen in overtime. Man, this game had locks and leaps implications all over it. Mm-hmm. And the big takeaways from this is Seattle is the Cinderella of the ball. Yeah, if they had to win to keep their playoff hopes alive and, and stay in the playoffs, uh, they did, which knocked out the Detroit Lions. Uh, so Seattle made it into the playoffs with this game. But, yeah, hey, given the fact that I don't think anybody outside of the state of Washington or the Pacific Northwest had these guys even making it in the playoffs as a, as a wild card spot. Mm-hmm is astounding for them, and kudos to them just because, you know, Russell Wilson leaves, you know, in comes Geno Smith, who's never been a proven commodity, maybe outside of college, Yeah, you know, and you don't know what you're going to get with them. It was kind of like written off of, well, hey, you got a guy to at least tide you over until you got your next guy, and you know what? He actually did better than we thought he would. He did absolutely way above expectations. So Seattle's got to be super happy with what they have going on right now. Not saying he's the long-term answer, but... They're going to they're going to the playoffs. That's, you don't need to. He's not the long term answer, but you don't necessarily need to push the panic button in the offseason if there's not something in the draft that you absolutely love. Exactly. And then for the Rams, oh, a lot of uncertainty all of a sudden. Yeah, especially Sean McVay might not come back. There's some of the allegedly coordinators might not come back. Hey. Yeah, well, they're going to be going to a rebuilding phase, and the the rumor, and I stress rumor because mm-hmm. we don't know Sean, is he doesn't want to be part of a rebuilding project. And I can't really blame him per se. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm kind of a little surprised by that. I mean, if he if he goes anywhere, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction. If he goes anywhere, Sunday night football, he'll be he'll be the color commentator on Sunday night football. Oh, I'd be I'd be ecstatic about that. Because because Fox has already got a deal with Brady waiting in the wings until he retires. Mm-hmm. Uh, CBS has got Nostra Romo locked up for a lot of money forever, you know, and then ESPN's got Troy Aikman and Joe Buck locked up for a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, and then Amazon doesn't need it for Thursday night football. Cause they got Herb street locked up for a decent chunk of change. So night football is the only spot that I could see him going. That would make a lot of sense. I'd love to see him on there. Cause I think he can add a lot. And yeah. It's just kind of an interesting time if you're a Rams fan because Stafford, you don't know what's going to happen there. I could see him retiring. I uh, He says he's not, but listen, the way the injury went and just how it progresses in the offseason, I could see him calling it. You know, and there's no shame in it. No, absolutely not. For, he's a Hall of Famer in my eyes, so 
Oh, he, he is he is in my eyes too. And if you don't believe us, look up the clip. You should be able to find it on YouTube of him versus I believe it was the Cleveland yep. Bra- Cleveland Browns in Detroit, which it's the, the, supposedly the longest unedited clip in NFL films history. Yes. If if you look something up by that name, longest unedited clip in NFL films history on YouTube, you should find it. It's it's the end of a game. He had his rookie season, I believe it was against the Cleveland Browns. That's all I need to say. Yeah, it's absolutely a wild scenario to play out. But he is he's somebody that. He le- he literally leaves it all on the field. Yeah. So if he decides to ride off, I'm okay with this. Aaron Donald, we don't know his future as well too. He can might be taken. I yeah, I think he's uh, setting sails into that sunset. Yeah, which you know what, I don't blame him at this stage. If you know you're going to be rebuilding and you're at that end of your career stage, why not? Mm-hmm. You know why put your body through the rigorous season of abuse? If you're not going to make a legit run to the well, end, especially what more do you have left to prove? You won a Super Bowl. You're you're one of the most dominant defensive players in NFL history. Mm-hmm. What more do you have to prove? Yeah, exactly. And one more game to cap this off. Well, we got two more games. Oh, two uh, more. Two more. Uh, you had the Washington Commanders. Bum 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 bum. Uh, beat the Dallas Cowboys twenty six to six. Bad loss for the Cowboys. Uh huh. Because you know what, you had some starters in this game, especially Dak. Oh, you had you had more than one starter. I believe if I'm going to pull up the box score, I believe all of their starters were in. Yeah. Uh, offensively, uh, no, this is absolutely a bad loss for them because yes, Dak Prescott did play 14 of 37, 128, one touchdown, one interception. Tony Pollard was in seven carries, 19 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott also played eight carries, uh, 10 yards, no touchdowns. You also had C.D. Lamb played, Dalton Schultz played, T.Y. Hilton played, and Noah Brown played, and Michael Gallup played. So all of your offensive starters were in this game. Now, I read off the, the carries for the Cowboys rushers. You might be sitting at home, well, how many targets did the receivers get? It was more than one. C.D. Lamb, seven targets. Dalton Schultz, who's their starting tight end, nine targets. T.Y. Hilton, four targets. Noah Brown, six targets. Michael Gallup, six targets. So it wasn't, a, oh, hey, they only got one target or whatever. No, they got multiple targets. Yeah, This is this is an absolutely bad loss for Cowboys fans. And I know some of them are trying to sit there going, well, we're still in the playoffs. Listen, this is the fucking uh, Washington Commanders who didn't beat you with, with Carson Wentz. No. Didn't beat you with Taylor Haneke. They beat you with Sam Howell. Yeah. Sam, let me say it again. Sam Howell. Yeah. If you've heard of Sam Howell, raise your hand. Oh, good. There's no hands. Exactly. Bad loss for the Cowboys. The Commanders, well, the only thing they have to look for is Dan Snyder might possibly be gone next season. <laughs> yeah. As everything is kind of shaping out there. Yeah. Uh, and then the last game we got to talk about was the Sunday night game, uh, which had a lot of implications and still had some implications, although lessened a little bit, uh, was between the Detroit Lions who beat the Green Bay Packers 20-16, to 16, uh, eliminating the Green Bay Packers from playoff contention and knocking them out of the playoffs. The roar has returned. <laughs> I can't lie about this. I mean, I'm going to take locks and leaps away from this. Because obviously the final game came down to this between me and yeah. Matt from Hopskeeks. Yep. I was happy for Dan Campbell yes. because he has his team going in the right direction. And they wanted to say we weren't going to lay down. And I loved the swagger that this team had because they were eliminated before they started this game. Yes. And everybody in that locker room said, well, we're not sending Green Bay there. We're going to knock them out. And Aaron Rodgers made some comments prior to this game mm-hmm. that have been well documented throughout social media that he took them way too lightly. 
This team we had said in the preseason show could make a run in those playoffs. They're not as bad as their record had portrayed. Mm-hmm. However, this season, the bad luck came early, but we have to remember they were the number one scoring offense for like the beginning six weeks of this season. Something like that, it yeah. It was something absurd like that. So that said, Aaron Rodgers could not get anything going with this with his team. No. They were in prime position to put up seven points multiple times in that first half. Oh, yeah. They couldn't. They came away with nine points. As for Detroit, they had a game. Jamal Williams. Shout out Jamal Williams. Yes. Pad's new favorite running back. Goddamn right. The ka- what did he say? The Kazakage got the dead. Love yes. it. Love it. Yes. He made a point to take this game over. 72 yards and two touchdowns is nothing to sneeze about, especially one late that iced the game. Yeah. And this defense stepped up, which I think it goes very underrated. Their secondary needs some work. Sure. Not going to lie about sure. that. Sure. But I say this. Aiden Hutchinson. Should get Defensive Rookie of the Year. Oh, absolutely. And what he's done is he's made this team better around him. Like, that is something that is a... I always hate using the word game changer, Mm -hmm. but that's what he is for this team. That entire defense, especially for the way they played in this game, deserves the largest steak dinner you can find in the state of Mm -hmm. Michigan because Mm -hmm. I can't remember what the the exact stat is. I remember the yards, but they they mentioned it on ESPN on first take this morning. But uh, Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter was like maybe four passes or something like that completed. I forget what exactly, but it was only 12 yards. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers in the in this fourth quarter of a win in your end game in Green Bay on Sunday night, like the most automatic thing next to Tiger Woods wearing red in his prime. Yeah, you know, but that that Detroit defense stepped up and held him to twelve yards in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and they caused Aaron Rodgers to throw an interception. Yeah, late in the red zone. Like this is some wild scenario to play out. Yeah. And now the question shifts to Detroit is going to make some minor moves in this offseason. Yep. It sounds yep. like Dan Campbell's staying, which is good. I, I like seeing this because th- this team plays extremely hard for him. Jared Goff had a resurgence. So they have a lot of pieces that they could make some noise next season. But the bigger takeaway from this is what is the fate of Aaron Rodgers? Uh, who After the game, in case you haven't seen the uh, highlight, uh, was asked by one of the players on Detroit for his jersey, a little mm. jersey swap. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers, and it was caught on camera, so this ain't people lip-reading or anything. It was caught on the mic, yeah. said, I'd rather hold on to this one, Yeah. which is leading to a lot of speculation. He might not come back. Well, I think at this stage, the magic was not there. And I'm not saying he fell off. I want to make sure this is coming out correctly. But I think he is now realizing what he has with this team, and it also comes out, does he want to put himself through such a tough offseason to get ready for mm-hmm. a run if he doesn't think they're going to make it? And that's a situation that they really have to come up with and decide, is this going to be the future or not? Right. And I think for him, I could see him riding off into the sunset. Oh, I could too. He's got other business adventures he wants to get into. Yeah. And obviously he's had a very... Um, Interesting. Thank you. That's probably the nicest way to put it. Relationship with the front office over the past couple of years. 
So I could see them making the switch to Jordan Love and saying Aaron's going to retire. I, you I know, see, I could see it. I could definitely see it. I know that he didn't give that jersey away because he's very emotional right now. Because yeah. I think it's a tough deal to settle that Father Time is creeping around you. I'll say it's it's no longer a couple of blocks away. It might be around the corner. Yeah, and I if think not on the block. And I think for him, he just needs to come to that realization that if this team is going to be ready. What does my future hold? And sure, mm-hmm. I mean, I know he signed contracts and all that jazz. It doesn't really matter. If, you don't really need it. Yeah, exactly. When, like, when, you, when you've got other business ventures lined up after you're retired because, hey, he, he could still end up as host of Jeopardy. Yeah. You know, he had that run when they were doing test hosts for Jeopardy after Alex Trebek, unfortunately, passed away. Mm-hmm. He could go host Jeopardy. He could, you know, start his, he could start his own uh, game show and host that, much like LeBron James and Steph Curry have done. He's got so many options, it's not even funny. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's, it's truly scary of what he can do in this offseason if he wants to. Playing football is not that big of an option anymore for him, I think. And I don't want to say he lost his passion, but you kind of tell something wasn't right. Every player eventually hits that point where they're at this point or gets to this point where, you know, football, It's you just can't perform like you used to. You can't run, can't throw, can't catch, can't this like you used to, and you kind of start to lose interest. And, yeah. I, and I think he's there. I think so, too. But we'll have to wait and see what happens in this offseason. I don't think we're going to see any announcement of retirement till. After the Super Bowl? Probably. The only thing we know is he said regarding his future, you know, he's not going to hold the Packers hostage in, in his words. Yeah, so. So clearly he's learned from the Brett Favre thing. Yeah, so I th- I think he's going to take his time to think about this. The earliest we might see something is between weeks. Yeah. Which uh, yeah. that's that's a popular week for players to announce retirement because they need something to do on media row. But I think we'll hear something after the offseason, if not the week or two before free agency, so the Packers mm-hmm. can make some moves. But that was one hell of a week to close out on for the NFL. So yeah. so that said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about the final regular season week of the NFL? How did your team do? But we're going to come back and talk some playoff NFL action here on the ODPH Podcast. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC Universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, we still got to talk some football. Yes, we do. Because now the road to the Super Bowl is in full effect. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their invitation to make a run for the dance. Yep. We're going to break down the playoff bracket seating. Yes. Tell you who we got for our locks and leaps there. But before we do, 
we have to kind of re- go back in time a little bit to the preview show yep. and announce who we picked. Now, we also have to stress Rich from 3FN is recording right now, so he could not make it in for studio. Yep. But we're going to read off his picks, too. Uh, yeah, so uh, for the AFC East, all three of us had the Buffalo Bills to win that division. So, hey. Hey. Good for us. Uh, for the AFC South, we all had the Indianapolis Colts winning that division because uh, reasons. And uh, whoops, got that one wrong. Yeah. Uh, for the AFC North, Ken, you had Baltimore. Uh, and then for Rich and myself, we had Cincinnati. Okay, well, I almost pulled it off. Yep. Uh, so then for the AFC West, this is one I mentioned last segment. Two-thirds of us had the Raiders, and then uh, one-third had something else. Uh, Ken and myself were the two-thirds. We both picked the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, and then Rich picked the L.A. Chargers. So uh, we all got that one wrong. Yeah, surprising how that all ended up. Yep. Uh, and so then for the AFC playoffs, we had Buffalo, the which we all got right. Obviously, we had the, uh, we had the Colts. Uh, then you had Cin- so you uh, you had Cincinnati, the Chargers, you had Raiders as one of your wild cards, the Chiefs as one of your wild cards, and then the Pats as one of your wild cards. So almost pulled that off. Almost pulled that off. Uh, I had uh, both Buffalo, the Colts, Cincinnati, the Raiders. I had the Chiefs as one of my wild cards, the Pats as one of my wild cards, and then the Ravens as one of my wild cards. Uh, and then Rich had Buffalo, the Colts, the, uh, Baltimore, and then the Raiders. And then he had the Chiefs as one of his wild cards. The Chargers is one of his wild cards. And then Cincinnati is one of his wild cards. Hey. Uh, and then switching over to the NFC, we all had the, for the NFC East, we all had the Philadelphia Eagles winning the NFC East. So, hey. There we go. Uh, trust me, folks, it goes downhill from here. Uh, for the, <laughs> there's a lot of red. Uh, the NFC South, uh, Ken, you and I chose the New Orleans Saints. Uh, whoops. Yep. Uh, Rich chose the Carolina Panthers. Uh, whoops. Uh, for the NFC North, we all chose the Green Bay Packers. Uh, whoops. Yep. Uh, and then for the NFC West, Ken, you chose the Los Angeles Rams. Whoops. whoops. Uh, I chose the Arizona Cardinals. Big whoops. Uh, and then Rich also took the uh, L.A. Rams. Uh, whoops. Uh, for the NFC playoffs, uh, Ken, you had so you had the Eagles, Saints, Packers, and Rams. And then for your wild card, you had the Niners, Cardinals, and Lions. Uh, I had the Eagles, Saints, Packers, and Cardinals. And then for my wild card, I had the Cowboys, Bucks, and Rams. Almost got the wild card right. Uh, and then for Rich, he had the Eagles, Panthers, Packers, Rams. And then he had the Cardinals, Niners, and Lions for the wild card. See, we almost pulled it off with the Lions. Yeah. We would have been the only podcast, I think, on uh, sports podcast radio that had them outside of Michigan. Outside of Michigan, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, we were one of the few teams that really had our eye on the yep. Lions because they, they had all the potential in the world, but just didn't work that way. Yeah, so, uh, and then in terms of Super Bowl, well, I'm the only one who took a if we're if we're doing like kind of like NCAA tournament style, I'm the only one who took a hit because I had the Raiders winning the Super Bowl. So, and then uh, you also took a hit because you had the Rams winning the Super Bowl. The only one still intact, uh, Rich, he has Buffalo winning it all. Although he did lose his uh, NFC champion uh, Rams because he had the Rams as NFC champs. Can't be mad at him about that. I appreciate the support. Uh, So that being said, we do have our brackets lined up now officially. So, Pat, you want to read off when the games are and let's give our play-by-play? Yeah, so uh, the games start on Saturday, January 14th. I'll include the times and uh, uh, networks they are listed on. Keep in mind for all these games, the games that take place after the initial ones, that's like the – rough start time it might be a little later some of the games go later uh but starting on saturday january 14th at 4 30 p.m eastern in the nfc you have the seattle seahawks taking on the san francisco 49ers in san francisco that is at 4 30 p.m eastern on fox 
So this game is going to be a division game, so anything is up for grabs. But like we touched upon, too, Seattle is playing with house money. Mm -hmm. They were not expected to be here. Pete Carroll has to be in conversation for Coach of the Year because somehow he pulled this magic off. Uh Geno Smith, Comeback Player of the Year, is in contention for. Yeah. And they are really surprising teams by playing very solid football. I mean, they're not playing lights out, Yeah. but they're scrappy. That's the one nice thing about this team. They're going to need to be against Brock Purdy, mm-hmm. the GOAT, and a San Francisco 49er team that is playing at such a high elite level right now. Yeah. They are hands down the scariest team in the NFC to be going up against right oh God, now. Yeah, that defense. Oof. That defense is brutal, Oof. and Christian McCaffrey has got that offense clicking. Yeah, uh, and clearly Vegas is believing in the San Francisco 49ers because currently as we record, San Francisco, 10.5-point favorites. I believe that, yeah, and I think they're going to cover. Probably would have, I would imagine so. Uh, and then the other game on Saturday is at eight fifteen p.m. on NBC, and that is between the LA Chargers, who are taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. Well, this is a surprise of surprises. The Jacksonville finally put it together, mm-hmm. but Trevor Lawrence is playing at a very high level, and obviously Doug Peterson has helped him get there. So they do have somewhat of a stability in their offense right now, which they have not had in, God, I want to say since the Mark Burnell days. Oh, God, probably. I mean, well, it was, no, Byron Leftwich. I forgot he yeah. was after him. So. Well, I was say Jaguars. I know they had a run, the Patriots' second Super Bowl trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, made, they made it to the championship game at least once. Yeah. So, But it, it wasn't very often. No, but Jacksonville has always been a team of potential, and yeah. just usually they fall flat on their face a yeah. lot. They made some questionable moves this offseason, and I will stand by my statement, questionable. Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, $90 million. Evan Ingram, a lot of money as well. And you take a look, Zay Jones too. Yeah. Uh, So their skill players, they did go all in on, and it appears that it has paid off to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. But I will say it all hinges on Trevor Lawrence. Yes. And now he has finally looked like the number one pick from all those years ago. Yeah. He finally fits that mold of what this team had been waiting for. And now is the question of where do we go from here with mm-hmm. them? Because now they are going to face a L.A. Chargers team that quite frankly finds more ways to disappoint than please. Oh, yeah. And I don't care how loaded this team is. I don't care what they're bringing to the table per se. This team finds ways to choke. Yeah. Every time they get in the playoffs. They They've could, done that for a while. They did it a couple of years with the Patriots in, this, in the playoffs. Well, the one thing that they do wrong is they get in there, and for some reason, they switch up their offensive meta- mentality mm-hmm. every time, and then they just can't get back on track. Like If you can jump out to an early lead on them, you will rock them. Yeah. And the Chargers have shown me no signs that this is going to change. And obviously... Going up against a Jacksonville team, and I want to stress the names on this roster. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. Zay Jones. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. They're not striking fear in a lot of teams. Nah. But I'm going to tell you this. Jacksonville's going to upset them. I, I'm thinking the same thing. This is probably the safest leap that they could take. I don't. What's the point spread on this? Uh, the, it is the Chargers by one and a half. That's telling. 
Uh, and also, it's also interesting because uh, looking at the injury report, Jacksonville, no injured players. Uh, the Chargers currently have three, uh, one of which is uh, Xander Horvath, their fullback. He is out. You've got Mike Williams, who we mentioned is questionable. And then they've got their linebacker, Kenneth Murray Jr., currently listed as questionable. That's crazy. Wow. Chargers don't have any injuries? No, the, the Jaguars don't have any injuries. They're yeah, on their, on that's their, what I meant. Sorry, the, the Jacksonville. Jacksonville Jaguars, according to the, the game preview, I'm looking at ESPN.com for their game, Jacksonville has no injured players. You know why? Because I wasn't sure because I didn't hear Travis Attain's name in the stat line mm. for Jacksonville last game. Like I say, I'm not going to go back and check that. But if they have a solid running game, they're going to give the Chargers some fits. And the Chargers did a very costly mistake playing their starters when they knew they clinched and they could not go anywhere in the playoff seating. So I understand you want to be competitive, but sometimes that comes back to haunt you, and I yeah. think it's going to come back here. I like Jacksonville a lot in this one. Yeah, so, I do too. So we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out for them. Switching over to the Sunday game, Sunday, January 15th, uh, at 1 o'clock Eastern on CBS, you have the Miami Dolphins taking on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, where it is scheduled to be partly cloudy, as I mentioned, and 28 degrees. Bills Mafia, playoff time, cold weather. <laughs> I'm not saying this is a complete lock, but I'm going to say this. Current spread is Buffalo by 10.5. See, that might be the case because nobody knows the status of Tua. This is true. Uh, currently listed as out, although that could change between now and uh, Sunday. That could seriously change. So if you are... I, I tell you this, because given what we announced earlier last uh, last segment about Buffalo Bills and DeMar Hamlin, that he's traveling back to Buffalo, if they march him out there... Before the start of the game, it's a fucking wrap. Yeah. It's done. Like, listen, you know, the Bills marched out, you know, the the medical personnel and the emergency responders before that game. Mm-hmm. And and the Bills pulled off a kick, two kickoff returns in the same damn game. You march to him out, they're probably going to have a repeat performance where they scored a touchdown on every goddamn possession. Yeah. No, it, it's, I, if, if I'm telling you right now, Dolphins fans, I've run into this situation with the Patriots multiple times with, like, an emotional situation going on with the, with the game. You're going to run into a fucking buzzsaw because DeMar Hamlin, thankfully, is going home. Mm-hmm. He's travel. If he's not already back in Buffalo, by the time you hear this, he will be soon. If he's able to get to Orchard Park and be there and walk out onto that field for the game, the place is going to register on a Richter scale someplace. Yeah, I fully agree with you, Pat. And I'm saying I don't doubt him leading with how they run the flags out. Yeah. If he comes out with that. If he's able to do that, oh, God. Yeah. If he comes out just walking with him like he's the one leading everybody, that stadium is going to come unglued. Mm-hmm. It won't matter about a, a Bill's run defense. They're going to be going absolutely crazy. Oh, yeah, they'll cover them. They'll cover that spread. Yeah, so I do like Buffalo in this, not saying as the homer pick, but I, I will say this. It depends on who's at the quarterback position for, position for Miami. Yes, yes. And that hinges a lot. If it's Tua... I I don't think that the the spread will get covered. I think it'll be closer than that because I think it'll get into a shootout between Diggs and and uh, Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. which fucking give that to me all day. Yeah. But if it's anybody but Tua, that spread's getting covered. Oh, that spread's going to get covered. I think it's just going to come down to Buffalo wins either way. By the way. Yeah, I think Buffalo wins straight up. I could see it being a three point game though if Tua is playing, but it just depends on what status he's into. I mm-hmm. mean, that's the thing. So. I do like the Bills a lot in this one, so I'm going to stick to my guns with that. Uh, and then at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox, you have the New York Giants taking on the Minnesota Vikings up in Minnesota. Well, we need to remember, this is not the first time these teams have faced each other the, all the season. This is true. And I believe it was an overtime win. Something like that, yeah. By Minnesota. 
So obviously Minnesota has a lot going on the line here, and Brian Dabble has got this team in New York ready to go. Mm-hmm. They're not flashy. They're not pretty. They are going to go out and just leave it all on the field. And I will give him credit for what he's done there because he has really changed the culture. I know him and Joshin uh, as the GM are mm-hmm. really going to have a, an off season to make some choices on and really do some upgrading. But they're another team that has nothing to lose, and I don't think they lose here. I think this is an upset pick. Okay. I think that Minnesota is very, very overrated, the luckiest team in football, and I think luck runs out when it, they need it the most. This is ultimately going to come down to, because I don't think the Giants' offense can keep up with the, with the Vikings' offense, so I think this is ultimately going to come down to how good the Giants' defense is, and specifically their secondary, because as I've said before, if you want to beat the Minnesota Vikings, you have to shut down Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Can the Giants' secondary do that? Maybe. You know, they almost pulled it off a couple of weeks ago, you know, in the overtime loss. So they've shown they've got the potential, but when the playoffs are a whole different animal. You yeah. know, regular season's one thing. Playoffs are a whole different thing. Can can the Giants secondary shut down Justin Jefferson in the playoffs? I don't think so. I, I think it'll be close. The, currently, the line is Minnesota by three. I think it'll end up being that. I could see a late-game field goal co- coming in to, to seal the victory for the Vikings. But the Vikings ain't making it far in the playoffs. I'll say that right now. No, they, I mean they might get by the Giants here, like I say, but they're not going to be in that final game. Rest assured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on uh, the final game you have on Sunday is between the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. That is at eight fifteen on NBC. Much of this game relies on Lamar Jackson's status. Yes. If Jackson's not in, it's a repeat of what you just saw this past week. Uh-huh, uh, because the current spread, as I mentioned in the last segment, is Cincinnati by 6.5 points. Currently, as we record, uh, Lamar Jackson is listed as out. Uh, that, along with Tyler Huntley, uh, their other quarterback, listed as out. Uh, so if, if Lamar Jackson is not able to go, this game's this game done before it starts. Exactly. Cincinnati's going to steamroll them uh, because the only guy that Cincinnati's got on their injury report is their guard, Alex Kappa, who's listed as questionable. So everybody else is good to go. If Lamar Jackson is in this, it's going to be closer. I think it's ultimately still going to be Cincinnati for the win, mm-hmm. but it'll be closer. If, if it's Lamar, this is going to be over. Yeah, that's the whole point. I think Cincinnati is going to win this outright. I think they're going to take this one. That will make a very, very interesting second-round matchup with them at going to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. That could get very interesting. Then the final game of Wild Card Weekend that we have to mention is on Monday. That is at 8.15 on ESPN+, Plus, ABC, and ESPN. And that is between the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. How fitting. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady to close out the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This is going to be an interesting test because Dallas has been very uneven this entire season. Yes. Sorry, I know we're going to get some very angry tweets about this one as well. But... Dallas has not fully been Dallas consistent enough. Especially late in the season. Yeah. Should they win this game? Absolutely. Will they? I don't know. But I have to make a choice here. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say Father Time will officially run out on Tom Brady. We'll say just for the record, uh, the line is currently Dallas by three. Yeah, which, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's the usual opening line. And I think the question is with Tom Brady and Tampa Bay is how hungry do they want it? I know that we've seen flashes of the old Brady, and we've also seen flashes of a 45-year-old Brady. Mm-hmm. 
So it depends on which one we're going to get. I think Brady will put up an okay performance. I, I don't think it'll be anything you know, historic or record-breaking. Watch that come back to bite me next week. Oh, sure. You know, but I think Brady will put up, you know, a worthy performance. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, this is going to be Dallas to win just because, you know, listen, Brady isn't the gunslinger like he used to be. Can he still throw the ball? Yeah, obviously. Sure. Can he still score touchdowns? Obviously. Can he score him like he used to? No. You know, it's ultimately going to come up to, you know, who's got to beat Dallas's defense. And I think in some instances he will. Not all, not all the time, but I think in some instances he will. Because, you know, while, while he can't throw as, as good as he used to, the mind's still there. You know, but then ultimately he you're going to have to rely – he's going to have to rely on Tampa Bay's defense to stop the, Dallas's offense, which, listen – They've stuttered a little bit the last couple of weeks, but the potential still there. You still got Pollard. You still got Zeke. You still got all the receivers. And and listen, as good as Tampa Bay's defense was the last couple of years, they have taken several steps back this year. Mm-hmm. And they are Agreed. they are not as good as they used to be. And I think they're going to get exposed. I do too. I like Dallas in this one. I think the whole mystique of Brady might get a little shattered in this mm-hmm. instance. Just the fact that he came back after he retired, it kind of seemed like he was half in, half out. Yeah. This one I think will finally send him off in the sunset. I really do. But it makes for a very interesting week of football Yeah. to come up. Pat, you got any final thoughts on this week? Uh, excited to see the games. It's, it's going to be fun to actually watch the games and not have a rooting interest in anything, which I always enjoy a little bit more. So we'll see what happens. I know my stress level will be very, very bad on Sunday. <laughs> like with a lot of reasons. And I'm not going to get into them on air. But there's a lot of reasons. That you and Ryan Parrott aren't going to talk for like a week. I know. It could get a little rough. But I will say everybody should go out and go get Rogue Sun, though. It's a fantastic series. So if you haven't picked it up, Image Comics, make sure it happen. But it's going to be a fun time watching the games and definitely keeping an eye on certain storylines. Can Jacksonville pull off the Cinderella upset and keep the momentum going where we'll get another petty tweet or TikTok video coming out and we'll probably get featured in it because we were saying, you know, $90 million. Where are you spending it? Is... San Francisco for real, or will Cinderella keep dancing? The with goat, Seattle? Brock Purdy. Yeah, exactly. And what is going to happen with Tom Brady? Can he make one last run in these playoffs? There's a lot of storylines going on with the NFL wildcard weekend, so you definitely want to hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about this weekend's action? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Couples Conversation Podcast. My name is JT. My name is Madison. And this podcast is exactly what it's titled. It is a couple having a conversation. We talk about life, we play games, and we love to make each other laugh, giving you a reason to laugh too. Exactly. We record every Sunday and publish our episodes every Monday, so you can find us on every major streaming platform that you find podcasts. Apple, Anchor, Spotify, wherever you can find us. We hope that you enjoy these episodes. If you want to have a say in our episodes, you can send us a question by hitting us up on Twitter at ccpodcast underscore 22. We love to see you there. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk some pro wrestling. Oh, boy. So there is a headline that came out that has got the internet a little bit on fire. Uh huh. And rightfully so, but you really have to sit back and read what's going on. Uh-huh. So that's what we're doing here. You'll hear about this on 607TWS this week. Yep. So, Pad, lead us into the elephant in the room. So the elephant in the room dropped uh, last week, as you mentioned, uh, on Thursday specifically, uh, with an article on the Wall Street Journal basically saying how Vince McMahon was planning his return to the WWE. 
uh, and that included a uh, PR statement put out. I can't read the Wall Street Journal article because, well, in case you didn't know, Wall Street Journal article is behind a paywall, hmm. uh, so I don't have access to that. But I will read from you the uh, press release, uh, the courtesy of the website uh, PRNewsWire.com, and it is provided by Vince McMahon. And the uh, press release uh, reads, quote, submits written consent to WWE board electing himself and company veterans George Berrios and Michelle Wilson as directors. Uh, Actions are necessary to ensure McMahon's full participation in upcoming media rights negotiations and review of strategic alternatives. Greenwich, uh, Connecticut, January 5th, 2023. Vince McMahon, the founder and controlling shareholder of World Wrestling Entertainment, Inc., WWE or the company, uh, New York Stock Exchange, WWE, uh, announced today that he has taken necessary actions to position the company to capitalize on a unique opportunity to maximize long-term value for all WWE shareholders. The actions communicated to WWE's board of directors today via written consent include the election to the board of Mr. McMahon as well as Michelle Wilson and George Berrios former WWE co-presidents and board members, and currently the co-founders and co-CEOs of ISOS Capital Management and the requisite removal from the board of three directors. Mr. McMahon expects to resume the role of executive chairman of the board. Mr. McMahon's new role will enable unified decision-making through the company's upcoming media rights negotiations and a parallel full review of the company's strategic alternatives which Mr. McMahon believes is the right course of action and in the best interests of WWE and WWE shareholders amidst the current dynamics in the media and entertainment industry. As Mr. McMahon has communicated to the board, he believes there is a narrow window of opportunity to create significant value for all shareholders and that to do so, the strategic alternatives uh, review must occur in tandem with the media rights negotiations. He also expressed to the board that he believes these two initiatives require Mr. McMahon's direct participation, leadership, and support as controlling shareholder. Quote, WWE is entering a critical juncture in its history with the upcoming media rights negotiations, concluding with increased industry-wide demand for quality content and live events with more uh, companies seeking to own the intellectual property on their platforms, said Mr. McMahon. The only way for WWE to fully capitalize on this opportunity is for me to return as executive chairman and support the management team in the negotiations for our media rights and to combine that with a review of strategic alternatives. My return will allow WWE, as well as any transaction uh, counterparties, to engage in these processes knowing they will have the support of the controlling shareholder." Prior to delivering written consent, Mr. McMahon sent two separate letters to the board in late December in which he expressed the urgency of his return to the company as executive chairman and his desire to work collaboratively with the board and management team. Following conversations with representatives of the company, both before and after Mr. McMahon's most recent letter on December 31st, Mr. McMahon determined, consistent with his rights as controlling shareholder, that the steps announced today are necessary to maximize value for all WWE shareholders. Mr. McMahon said, quote, Ms. Wilson and Mr. Berrios, as qual- highly qualified directors whose professional experience positions them, uh, them well to help the company achieve the best possible outcomes in both initiatives. 
As former WWE co-presidents and board members, they are intimately familiar with industry dynamics and the organization's operations and have helped guide the company through past successful media rights negotiations. I look forward to working closely again with Michelle and George, as well as the company's remaining directors and management team, who have my full support and confidence. WWE has an exceptional management team in place, and I do not intend for my return to have any impact on their roles, duties, or responsibilities. Close quote. In conjunction with the changes to WWE's board, Mr. McMahon's written consent also includes certain amendments to the company's bylaws to ensure that WWE's corporate governance continues to pr- properly enable and support shareholder rights. These ch- changes will be detailed in a scheduled 13D amendment to be filed by Mr. McMahon and a Form 8-K to be filled by the company in the coming days. Uh, <clears throat> no assurances can be given regarding the outcome or timing of the review process. Mr. McMahon does not intend to comment further until the process has concluded or Mr. McMahon has otherwise determined the full disclosure uh, is appropriate or required, close quote. Uh, And then the rest, there is a little bit more in there, but it's a biography for Michelle Wilson uh, and then a a biography for George Berrios. Uh, But that is the bulk of the PR statement put out by Vince. So the big news to take away from this is Vince McMahon, who left the company earlier last year due to the sexual misconduct hush payments that were going on and that whole investigation that was Mm -hmm. taking place. So he stepped away, Triple H, Nick Khan, and Stephanie took over WWE as we knew it. Yep. So now he is coming back, but by that way that statement is made, Mm -hmm. he is only coming back for the television sale deal. Yep. He's exploring the possibility of selling the company. Now Mm -hmm. there have been reports put out. Uh, by various uh, sites saying that uh, WWE has hired the firm J.P. Morgan to explore possible possible parties that might be interested in the sale. But according to this PR uh, statement or this press release put out by Vince, because I'm, I'm reading this article and I'm showing Ken, you know, it's on this site, prnewswire.com. Uh, and it's got a long title. With Vince, yeah. Vince McMahon takes actions in support of plan uh, of in support of plan for WWE to undertake a review of strategic alternatives and capture unique opportunity to maximize long-term value for all shareholders. And then where it normally says who the article is by, it says news provided by, and then it says Vince McMahon. So, mm. so this is coming from the horse's mouth for, Directly. What, for what it's worth. But it sounds like this is for the television rights and a possibility of the sale of the company. Now, is the sale going to happen? We don't know. Right. It's possible. It's been rumored and talked about for what, like two years at this point? It's always been talked about that the company is always for sale if the right amount of money comes in. But the big thing that we have been watching as wrestling fans that keep an eye on the business is the television rights are coming up for sale. Uh, In 2024, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And there is a lot going on with these dealings that is, we're talking billions of dollars. Oh, yeah. And Vince is connected with this because he still has shares in the company. Yep. So he needs to come back in to help right the ship and whatever they're going to do moving forward to whoever they're looking to sell to. Mm-hmm. Because this is huge money with a lot of people involved. Now, you don't have to love Vince. You don't have to. You can. You have your feelings about him, and rightfully so. Love him or hate him. Exactly. Solid businessman, horrible human being, in my opinion. <laughs> yes. But he has to come back to do this to make sure that the dealings are done mm-hmm. involving the sale. 
So that's the pro- that's the situation that's going on. Now, for everybody running and saying, oh, he's coming back, he's taking over creative, and wiping away everything Triple H has just set up, pump the brakes. There were, according to Dave Meltzer, uh, there was talk of him doing that, or he wanted to do that, but the, the board or the shareholders, you know, the board, I should say, put a firm kibosh to that. Yeah. So, and there was even an all-hands-on-deck uh, Zoom meeting between not talent and front office folks, but, you know, kind of the the, the workers, you know, so the behind the scenes folks mm-hmm. uh, with Nick Khan, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H. And it was said there and it's been reported multiple places. You can look it up for yourselves about the Zoom meeting that nothing is changing in terms of Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon being like the co-CEOs. Right. You know, and then with uh, Triple H being head of creative. Yes. You know, so for right now, as we record you know, and especially with his close to we are to WrestleMania and plans, nothing's going to change. Yeah, nothing is going to change because I think he understands what is going on involving the next phase of the business. Mm-hmm. For him to come back with everything that was going on with his investigation and all the sexual misconduct claims, this would be detrimental to. Oh, yeah the the roster and everybody that's been building to get away from the Vince mm-hmm. shadow that's been lingering. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about business and the sale of the TV rights, Vince has to come back. Sure. That's the thing. Because this could arguably be the last big media rights sale they have because this this sports media bubble keeps getting bigger with, with you know the money the NFL's making and the TV rights for that and the TV rights for the NBA and the TV rights for MLB and the WWE. You know, eventually this bubble is going to burst. Yeah. And eventually the money just ain't going to be there anymore, and it's not going to be what it was. Mm-hmm. So get your money while you can, and it's the best look that, you know, oh, hey, you know, oh, it's fine and dandy that, the you know, 45% of you are on board with this. Well, what's the guy with 55% say? Exactly, and that's the thing. He has controlling stock shareholders. Because it's all fine and dandy if – Picking a company name out of my butt, you know, if Disney, for example, mm-hmm. wants to buy the company and 45 percent agree with it. But you got Vince, who's got at least he's majority. So he's got at least 55 percent or he well, hell, he's got at least 51 percent because it doesn't have to be, you know, 55. It can be 51 percent. But it, it don't mean shit. If the minority all want it, the majority guy can block it. Exactly. So it's very detrimental for or it's very beneficial for Vince to be there in that aspect. And you want to tank a, a publicly traded company stock price? Try selling the company, and then the majority shareholder says no. Exactly, it would be a PR nightmare to start with, let alone financially. Uh huh. Having Vince there is a necessary evil, but the big thing to take away is no, he's not coming to creative. He's staying away from it. I, th- I think uh, I'm projecting a little bit here. I like to think he might have thought about it. Oh, I'm sure he did. With as controlling as he is, but I think he sits there and looks and goes, "Listen, raw ratings are as better than the better than they've been in years. Mm-hmm. You know, SmackDown is doing incredibly well. I know they went down a little bit. I know they went down a little bit because when they went up monstrously, Casino was there, but SmackDown still doing phenomenally well. Yeah, you know, NXT still doing well for 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 what they are. You know, so it. it Whatever fears he might have had with, oh, I'm going to leave the company and the ratings are going to go down and, and the company's stock price is going to go through the toilet. And this, that, like, no, that's that's not the case. I mean, looking uh, currently as we record, it's after trading hours, um, but the WWE stock price uh, is currently sitting at $87.82 uh, a share 
Uh, it went up uh, 4.2, or excuse me, it just went up a little bit because it's doing after hours trading. Uh, but today it is up 4.34%, you know, and it's gone up a little bit in after hours trading. But where we look at on uh, Thursday, January 5th at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern, and I'm doing this on Google, you can search WWE stock and do it yourself. Uh, but at Thursday at 4 o'clock on January 5th, uh, it was trading at $72.05 a share. You fast forward to Friday at 9.30, where when the market opened up, it was up to $80.05 a share. Uh, and at its peak in the last five days, it went to $89.21. That was on Monday at 1230. Mm, yeah. So clearly folks are real excited. That's the whole thing. They understand the business side of things. Like I say, you don't have to love him as a human being. He's, yeah. like we said, you've already heard our opinions of him. Yeah. We're not fans of the human being. No. By any stretch of the imagination. But he is a business man at heart. This is a business and it's big money. And he has to be involved in this. And for doing the deals, which I believe they can start negotiating this this summer. They're going to do it this year just because, yes, the the TV rights are technically up next year. But Mm -hmm. they're not going to wait till next year to do it because the the deal runs out and you ain't got a deal. Well, then it ain't going to be on TV. Right. And there's a lot of suitors involved. Oh, yeah. NBC Universal and... I believe they're owned by Comcast. Yeah, yeah, it's Com- it's NBC Universal. That's Comcast. Yeah. So there's they're involved there. Fox is involved. You have yeah. So uh, the reading from an article on CNBC.com, which uh, lists a potential list of buyers. You've got Comcast. Uh, so the article says Comcast, which owns NBC Universal, is a potential fit as a buyer for WWE. Uh, McMahon's company already has an exclusive streaming deal with Comcast streaming service Peacock and a cable TV deal with NBC Universal's USA Network. Uh, they also list Fox because, well, Fox is, uh, SmackDown's on Fox. Uh, the only issue with them is it's Fox, the TV company, so they've got the, the TV deal with Friday Night SmackDown. You've got the streaming rights, but you can figure that out some other day. Mm-hmm. Then you got the mouse. Yeah, you know, you got Bob Iger's back in the control in the in the driver's seat. Uh, he's not too unfamiliar with some mega billion dollar acquisition deals. Hello, Marvel. Hello, Lucasfilm. Hello, uh, 20th Century Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a potential suitor. Warner Brothers Discovery. Boy, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, the folks that have the TV rights to or the have the TV agreement with with all elite wrestling all of a sudden might be potentially interested in uh, buying WWE. I put this one as the least likely to happen. That's the biggest leap of all because they just recently hit a point where they have they can stop canceling shows and movies because they're at a point where they're not losing money anymore. I don't see them, but they they're still a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one listed in the article is Netflix. Boy, if there's someone who needs a win these days, it's these folks because they're taking a lot of PRLs. Yeah. Password sharing and then canceling shows and canceling this, canceling that. I I would put, so if if I'm putting Warner Brothers Discovery as like the bottom of the list, like least likely to happen, Netflix is probably the next one up, you know, just because I, I can't see WWE going there. You know, on a streaming only service where the starting price is like twenty bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon is another one listed because hey, they've got a lot of money. Uh, they were willing to spend a billion dollars a year on Thursday night football. Someone tells me they ain't afraid to spend a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, then another one uh, mentioned is the Endeavor Group Holdings. Uh, and the article says Endeavor, run by uh, 
Super Agent Ari Emanuel could add WWE to its stable of assets after agreeing to buy 100% oh, okay. of the UFC in 2021. That's who it is. Okay. Uh, Emanuel bought UFC to increase the scope of the talent agency's business uh, to live events. WMEIMG, now just a part of Endeavor, Endeavor, represents many UFC athletes as well as WWE superstars. Uh, the UFC deal has been a success for Endeavor, which paid about seven times 2016's $600 million revenue in 2016. Uh, UFC generated more than a billion dollars in revenue in 2022. Uh, another one listed is Liberty Media. It says, while Endeavor owns UFC, Liberty's Formula One group owns Formula One. Mm. John Malone, Liberty's controlling shareholder, and CEO Greg uh, Maffey, along with Formula One CEO Stefano uh, Domenciali, have figured out how to globally market the car racing league, including cracking American culture after decades of obscurity. Malone and Maffey have extensive uh, track records of maximizing media valuations and acquiring media assets for less than $10 billion, including Formula One, Sirius XM, and Pandora. Uh, the global success of Formula One could provide a roadmap for a future WWE strategy. Well, out of that list, I think there's only three contenders, to be honest with you. Uh -huh. I really do. Uh, the two networks that are currently on right now, NBC Universal, Comcast. NBC Universal, I think, has got the inside track just because of their their uh, tenure and, and uh, familiarity with the company. Well, they do, but I think to compete with Fox, they would need to offer up NBC to air yeah. a show. Yeah. I don't know if they're necessarily going to do that. They haven't offered that to the table yet, but that's what the whole point of negotiations are going on. Fox is in that mix, too. And obviously, SmackDown has been a ratings giant for them. Oh, yeah. It did 2.6 million the right. other week. So it's not out of the realm of thought to say if they get that, they're going to get Monday Night Raw, too, and have a week back, weekends, uh, or, you know, bookends. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Of WWE programming. So there's that potential. Then there's also Disney. Oh, you can't never doubt the mouse. Which I was going to say, Bob Iger back at the helm. Anything is possible. I don't know know how that really kind of shakes up because there's only so many networks you can put it on. They'd have a lock on Monday nights for viewership between Monday Night Football and Monday Night Raw. It just depends on what they want to do for Friday. But if they got SmackDown over there, that's a huge win for them. And then think about what you could do with ESPN Plus, which mm -hmm. I think would be housing a lot of the WWE programming that was formerly with the WWE Network. So this is going to be an interesting deal. It's probably going to be the biggest one in television history. Oh, God, easily. We're, like I'm saying, don't doubt it's higher than $10 billion. I really don't. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt it either. And, and Disney initially, uh, when the the TV rights for SmackDown were going out, you know, Disney was in the mix for that, you know, but... Uh, Fox beat them out. Twenty uh, Fox beat them out for it. Yeah. Uh, Son tells me Bob Iger don't like to lose more than once. Right. So we'll have to wait and see how this all kind of shakes up. Mm -hmm. But the big takeaway from this week is Vince McMahon is back, but he's not back. Mm -hmm. He's not taking over creative. Sure, there's rumor because obviously when he had the fall from grace and had to be forced out. Yeah. I know that that was a bitter pill for him to swallow. Yeah, I, I agree. And I agree with you with the kind of predictions going back to that for just a second. Um, Disney, I think, makes a lot of sense, too, just because they already have money, like you said, with the ratings. But then they also so they got Monday Night Football on uh, ESPN, sometimes ESPN, too, if they're doing the Manning cast. But then sometimes not every week they've been doing it on ABC. So clearly they're willing to free up 
three hours of space on a Monday night to put Monday Night Football on ABC when it's already on someplace else. You could very easily just put three hours of space on Monday nights for Raw, and then Friday might be the might be the tough one because you've got some some traditional programming on on ABC on uh, Friday night, so you might have to change the night for that, but that's easy to do. That's easy to do because they still have 2020 going on after yeah. at 10 o'clock. Yeah, Dateline, I think, is on... NBC. Oh, well, that's NBC, yeah. Yeah, so they can still make some moves happen. But I think it all comes down to what Vince wants the vision of the company to be. This is a huge deal, and for him to sign off on it, he's going to get as much money as possible. And this is going to absolutely scare some people of how much they're going to make. Oh, yeah. But But to say... The what they've been doing, all the changes they've had, and obviously with William Regal just being recently added as a vice president somewhere, they've had a lot of moving parts go on. But the programming is still going to be the same as you know it in the ring. And that's what matters. And I think for fans, you need to pump the brakes. I think if you're buying into anything else, you're listening to the wrong sources. These are the facts at hand. Vince is back for the money deal. Mm-hmm. That's it. And clearly folks are very excited about the product, even with Vince not being there and even now being back because WWE uh, today announced uh, that they've broken the all-time WrestleMania gate record and they've yet to announce a single fucking match. Uh, so read this is reading from uh, the press release on their own site, corporate.wwe.com. Uh, it says, quote, the head, well, the headline says, WWE breaks all-time WrestleMania gate record. Uh, and the article reads, WWE today announced that WrestleMania goes Hollywood, a.k.a. WrestleMania 39, which will originate from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles across two nights, broke the company's all-time gate record for any WrestleMania, despite having yet to announce a single match. The previous record announced was $17.3 million in 2016 at WrestleMania 32 at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Hmm. What the shit? Yeah. Close quote, by the way. Yeah, so that's absolutely wild to think about, but man, WWE is making a lot of money right now, and obviously mm-hmm. they're not going to do anything to upset that tr- that money train no. from coming in. No, I mean, they just announced, what is it, Money in the Bank's going to be at uh, in London at the O2 Arena Yep. The, uh, this coming summer. You know, so they, they got a lot of good things going for them. They got a lot of good things going for them, and everybody just needs to really pump the brakes about Vince. But that being said, you can always hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod, and give us your thoughts about Vince McMahon coming back for the television deal. Where do you think WWE programming is going to be in the next year? Definitely have a lot of opinions going on with that. Also, WrestleMania Gate setting records left and right. Ooh. Money in the Bank is going to London next or this year. There's a lot of stuff to be happy about as a wrestling fan, so we definitely want to hear from you. And if you're looking for more pro wrestling content, remember to subscribe and follow to 607TWS, the wrestling show, which is on your favorite podcast provider as we speak. That said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Obviously, the first of which is the local minute and looking at the Federal Prospects Hockey League, uh, and specifically the Empire Division, because that is the league and division our local Binghamton Black Bears play in. Uh, surprising to no one, if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, Ken, who's still in first place? Uh, Dan Barry? Yep. Yeah, still in first place. Uh, 21 wins, two losses, two losses in overtime or shootout. Uh, Binghamton's still holding tight in uh, second place. Uh, they've got 17 wins, six losses, two of them in overtime. Uh, looking at their schedule from this past week, boy, did they have an interesting weekend. Uh, both They had two home games, both of them against the Port Huron Prowlers. Their Friday game 
I don't think I've ever seen this in Binghamton hockey history. Uh, they won by the final score of 13-2. to Hey-yo. Now, lo- uh, locally, I don't know if they do this at your local arenas, but uh, when the team here locally scores five goals, they give out like a free McDonald's burger, Burger yeah, King burger. Yeah, biscuit goal. Uh, I know they gave them out at five. Do they give them out again at ten? I kind of wonder about that. I think they do. Okay. Well, we have to check with the we local team about this check one. Team about that, but that was the score on Friday, and then uh, Saturday also a hell of a game. Although they lost by the final score of six to five. Uh, looking ahead to the schedule this weekend, uh, they've got one on the road, one at home. Both of them against the Watertown Wolves. Friday they are on the road playing the Watertown Wolves at seven thirty p.m. Eastern. That is at the Watertown Arena. Saturday and then uh, so that's on Friday, and then Saturday they come home uh, January fourteenth at seven o'clock Eastern to play the Watertown Wolves at the Veterans Memorial Arena. Uh, and then looking at the promotional schedule just to see if there's anything going on. Uh, the, so Friday, the Saturday game is uh, Rivalry Night, uh, and there is 50th anniversary jerseys at a post-game auction. Oh, that's so cool. So that'll be something cool to check out. Uh, so more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. See, it always kind of throws me off because I know they're catching up to Danbury, but it's like I can't remember if they actually took over or not. Mm-hmm. That's, it's going to cause Danbury real sticklers in that first place. It's going to be hard to get them out. Yep. And I got one more thing for local minute, though, okay. since we're doing this. I know we haven't talked about Binghamton Bulldogs yes. a lot, but the season is underway, and they have an acknowledgement that we definitely want to share along. For the first time, I believe, in franchise history, maybe? Probably. They are... Or no, let me read the official statement off their Facebook page. The Binghamton Bulldogs check in for the fourth week in a row as the number one team in the country for the ABA. So they joined the Nassau Pride and Wyoming Valley Clutch as the only undefeated teams in the nation. Nice. But as of their Facebook post, which was only five hours ago as we were recording, Binghamton is 10-0. and 0. Nice. So shout out to the Bulldogs. I so, yeah, I don't think that's ever happened. And if it has, it wasn't real long. Yeah, I was going to say, we have not been uh, hearing about this, but you know, kudos to them. Obviously, they put on a great product over there at the Bulldogs Sport Complex. And if you want to find out more information about those Bulldogs, BinghamtonBulldogs.com. Uh, and then it's another sports to talk about. Got to send some well wishes and T's and P's to White Sox closer Liam Hendricks, who... Uh, announced uh, to yesterday as we record uh, that he is battling non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, saying, quote, hearing the word cancer came as a shock to my wife and I, as it does millions of families each year. However, I am resolved to embrace the fight and overcome this new challenge with the same determination I have used when facing other obstacles in my life, close quote. Uh, so definitely well wishes. He's a 33-year-old, 12-year veteran playing for his fifth organization. Uh, he's been with the White Sox since 2021. Uh, he saved 75 games for them over the past two seasons, and he is uh, considered one of the team's uh, leaders, one of the front mm-hmm. guys in the uh, He's also extremely charitable, from what I understand, uh, in the Chicago area. So definitely some well wishes, T's and P's, and uh, fuck cancer. Absolutely. Fuck cancer. Positive vibes out to you, and, you know, yeah. go kick cancer's ass. Uh, and then we got to talk some college football because uh, you've got the national title game tonight as we record uh, where it is number three TCU taking on number one Georgia with the line, the uh, University of Georgia, by 13 and a half. Yo, boy, I'm expecting a repeat for, uh, for the dogs. Although, hey, wouldn't mind a Cinderella story for TCU. It would be a hell of a story for TCU. Obviously, beating Michigan as badly as they did yeah. to get there is yeah. absolutely something crazy. I think the point spread was, what, 51 points? Something like that. So to see TCU get there, this has been something. They're a heavy underdog, but you know what? You can't rule them out. Yeah. I do like Georgia in this one, though. Yeah, I, I mean, too. it's it. it it's nothing against TCU. It's just like, you know. Georgia's a whole different breed. Exactly. So no pun intended. You can't go against them as much as you want to try, like yeah. I say. But the fact that not, well, because they beat Michigan 51 to 45. Yep. So that said, yeah. 
they're playing pretty much with house money in this sense that they got there. Mm-hmm. Like I said the fact that you get to drop fifty one on Michigan, you prove yeah. you can hang with any of the elite teams in the league. Yeah, but Georgia is just playing. You know, such lights out football. Their defense is not as good as years no. past, though. So I want to no. clear that up. But if I got to put like a point spread on this, I'll say Georgia 35 25. Okay. Even, even though I'm hoping it's the other way. I, I think Georgia will win, but it'll, it won't be by 13 half. I think it'll be under that. Uh, and then some last bit of college football news. It was announced today some of the folks ele- elected to the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, and they include Reggie Bush, who, of course, played, was a running back for Southern California. Uh, Florida quarterback Tim Tebow, uh, who you might have heard of. Yeah, uh, the GOAT. Dwight Freeney of Syracuse, Luke Keekley of Boston College, LaMichael James of Oregon, and then Michael Bishop of Kansas State. A lot of great names in uh, college football history right yeah. there. Yeah. So definitely have to wait and see how that all plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they are they officially in now? Uh, yeah, they're 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 the tell they're uh, they're the class in uh, some of the other me- okay uh, some of the other members to make it in Eric Berry of Tennessee, Robert Gallery of Iowa, Derek Johnson of Texas, Bill Collar of Montana State, Jeremy Macklin of Missouri, uh, Terrence Mathis of New Mexico, Bryant McKinney of Miami, Corey Moore of Virginia Tech, Michael Stonebreaker of some college called Notre Dame. I've never heard of him. Who? Uh, Troy Vincent of Wisconsin, Brian Westbrook of Villanova, and D'Angelo Williams of Memphis. It always throws me off with everybody's Hall of Fame setup because mm-hmm. everybody has like a different one pretty much. Yeah. Like they announce like a big group and then it's narrowed down and then I don't even want to get started about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't even want to yeah, that. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. There were also of note four coaches to be included. Uh, they are uh, Monte Carr of or, uh, Monte Carr of Shepard, Roy Kramer, uh, who was, was Central Michigan coach, and then became the SEC commissioner, Mark Richt, who coached Georgia and Miami, uh, and then Paul Johnson, who uh, coached at Georgia Southern, Navy, and Georgia Tech. Congratulations. Absolutely. Big praise right there. So that being said, that's all we got for this week. So for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. Padawan J, take us away. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cruise I want-